home. The very term sparks emotions and memories. For some, those associations are positive, such as close family, kind neighbors, a loving community, warmth, maybe even safety, or something more. That's why we have so many quotes and songs and poetry and art all about home. Sayings like, home is where the heart is, or home, sweet home. There's no place like home. Or one of my favorites, Dr. Maya Angelou saying, the ache for home lives in all of us. The safe place where we can go as we are and not be questioned. However, there is a harsh reality that many of us haven't realized yet about home, and it's twofold. Listen very closely and I'll tell you the secret. First, what was home for you at one point in time may not be home at another point in time. Jesus was no stranger to this concept. In verse one of our text, he returns to his hometown of Nazareth, a place he was familiarly intimate with. Clearly he has familial ties there and community recognition. However, those things don't make a home. Luke 4 tells us clearly that early in his ministry, that it was in Nazareth, his home, where he was driven out to the crest of a cliff with every intention of killing him. Home sweet home, right? The same place where he grew and laughed and played and worked and lived, now thirsted for his blood. His home sweet home was not so sweet, maybe even sour and bitter. Jesus was also familiar with the second point many of us fail to realize about home. The first, again, is that home may not always be home and have the same comfort for you as you journey through life. But the second realization is that where you call home, others might call hell. Jesus was a witness to this as well. In verse 2, Jesus not only visits his hometown, but the place any Jewish man at this time would consider home, the synagogue. Historians note that during this time, most communities of any size had at least one synagogue. Basically, no matter where Jews traveled, they could expect to find a synagogue, a gathering place, a familiar setting, a comfortable atmosphere, a hospitable environment, a home away from home, if you will, which was likely the feeling of Jesus' disciples with him. Whether they had visited Nazareth before or not, there was a sense of home in the synagogue. But... Jesus made it clear that this home for them was harmful for him. There were very recent memories of previous death, death threats, as well as a very present danger even then. What I'm getting at is this. Home is subjective. It's very personal, and it may change over time. The next few verses make it clear that there was both an explicit and implied rejection at home, an air of discomfort, an unwelcome climate. Haven't we all been there before? Whether at a place we thought was home or not, we know what it feels like to be rejected, dismissed, and unwelcome. 
Again, I think we've all been there. Which is why this text reminds us that we have a responsibility to ensure that no one else experiences or feels that way, period. Time and time again, scripture reminds us in various ways to welcome one another. From the recurring theme of hospitality in the Hebrew scriptures, to Jesus repeatedly commanding us to welcome the stranger, to Paul and other New Testament writers urging us to welcome one another in Christ's love. The type of welcome referenced in these scriptures goes beyond a comfort and, and casual nature. So we have to remember that Jesus's being unwelcome put him in real danger. Just as many in our communities are in danger today. Being unwelcome for women, for black persons, for trans persons, for non-English speakers, for native persons, and other marginalized groups can literally lead to being abused, refused service, kicked out of their homes, or even killed. Here's the hard part for Christians. Now, I'm not a mind reader, but some of us listening right now just affirmed in our hearts that, well, yeah, I'm a welcoming person, and I live in a welcoming household. And yes, I attend a very welcoming church. And yes, I'm a part of a welcoming community, organization, or workplace. But here's the truth. Best words. We have a responsibility that goes beyond words, but also must exist indeed. If we're honest, we struggle with this because we all have blinders, i.e. biases, that make it hard to understand how our home, our safe place, could be harmful to someone else. How, how our own home, our own church could be chastising someone else because of their identity. How our home country could be cutting and choking off someone else from their blessings. Again, this is hard for many of us to hear. Just as I'm sure it was hard for Jesus' hometown to hear him. Because our unwelcome nature is rarely explicit or on the nose. We're not kicking people out per se. Instead, the harm is in our refusal to be clear on where we stand. Saying you are welcome and at home is one thing. Actively welcoming and taking a stance is another. Too often we passively hope our words are enough when in reality our homes or perceived safe spaces for us are actually harming others. I'm reminded of baseball. Stay with me a second. In baseball, there's an obvious home plate. And when the player from third base runs with all their might just to reach home, it is ultimately up to the umpire to make the call, to declare that the runner is safe or out. And sometimes it's quite obvious or blatant if they're safe or out. Other times, there are extensive reviews of evidence, looking at footage, conversing with other umpires on the field to make a call, which can hold up an already very long game. And everyone, the coaches, the players, the fans, may not agree on the call, but at least a call was made of either safe or out. And the score and the rest of the game reflect that call. Are you with me? 
All right. Now circle back to us. Good morning, umpires. Have you made the call? Have you declared and created a home place that is actually safe? Have you made a place that is welcoming? Have you made the call that your place is accepting? Or have you ruled someone out? Have you marginalized someone? Have you ignored someone? Have you rejected someone? Have you accepted only parts of someone? Or are you holding up the already long game of life, refusing to make a call and be clear? Hoping that people will read your non-stance as being neutral? Or are you holding up the game of life again, hoping that people would interpret your passiveness as kindness instead of cowardly? Seriously, you have to make the call. Have you been clear on who is welcome in your home, in your workplace, in your civic or organization group, in your life? Have you made the call, church? I like how the website churchclarity.com explains this. If you don't know, they're a website dedicated to removing the ambiguity that churches rest on who haven't made the call on if LGBTQ plus persons or women are welcome in some churches. Their website states, no person should have to wonder the limits of their welcome. What I love about their organization and website is that they highlight churches that have made the call to welcome LGBTQ plus persons and recognizing women in leadership. But they also highlight churches who have not made a clear call. Those churches hoping to hide behind their ambiguity and their determination for this goes beyond just words and what the church says they believe, what's on their front page of their website. What Church Clarity does is they examine what these churches do. They look at their policy. They look to see our LGBTQ plus persons and females represented on clergy staff. They ask the questions, would they officiate a same-sex marriage in the sanctuary? They ask the question, can a trans woman join the women's retreat? These are questions that get beyond the surface level of words, but they get to the actions that are beyond the cute phrases and marketing. These questions pressure churches to make a call. Their goal? Clarity. My desire for you and everyone listening or watching right now? Clarity. God is compelling us today to make the call. That means that the big question now is, how? How do we make a call on who is welcome? How do we take a stance and become clear on who is welcome? How do we avoid bringing people to a place we call home that is actually harmful to them? I have three brief ways from the text, and I will take my seat. First, remember your own rejection. In the text, Jesus takes the disciples to his hometown before sending them out on their own. Jesus brings them to a place he knew he wouldn't be welcome due to his own past experiences, as detailed in Luke 4. He does this not for his own humor, but for their benefit. 
that they might see that Jesus personally knows what it means to be ridiculed and to be doubted and to be rejected and to be looked down upon. And you too know what that means. Whether you were a plus one where the invite list was restricted, you know what it feels like to be unwelcome. Or maybe you were the only woman on a leadership board full of all men. You know what it feels like to be unwelcome. Maybe you made it out of your small backwards town and tried to return at some point, but you stuck out like a sore thumb. You know what it means to be unwelcome. Or maybe you were the only person of color in an all-white class at an institution. You know what it means to feel unwelcome. Or maybe you're the only sibling at the family gathering without children and people just kind of look at you as if you're living a different life. You know what it feels like to be unwelcome. Maybe you're the only one in that family who's unmarried. You know what it feels like to be unwelcome. Or any other of the many instances where we make people feel unwelcome and rejected and ridiculed and not quite part inside a part of the insiders with us we know what that experience is like and as terrible as your personal experience might have been you have to recognize that now you can ensure someone else doesn't experience the same but you have to be intentional. You have to make the call to never subject someone else to the feelings of unwelcome and rejection and denial and less than enoughness that you have gone through. Second, you have to analyze your home. After reconciling and repurposing your own baggage of rejection, you can make the call to welcome others to safety by truthfully analyzing where you call home. James Baldwin says, says it like this of his home country. I love America more than any other country in this world. And exactly for this reason, I insist on the right to criticize her perpetually. In other words, you can still love your home and do an honest assessment. Nazareth and the synagogue were familiar symbols of home for Jesus. They were welcoming of him to a point. Yes, at face value, Jesus was welcome being a Jewish man. But a deeper look, a deeper analysis of this home uh, reveals that he was not welcome as a poor carpenter who dared to take a leader role. He was welcome to a point, but not welcome as one who dared to call out the abuses and leadership in the synagogue. He was welcome to a point, but that welcome was limited when he dared to speak against the rigid cultural norms and traditions of that synagogue. This synagogue where Jews felt at home, where Jewish men felt at home, where Jewish men of high social class felt at home, was far from home for women for children, for non-Jews and the poor, where is it that you feel at home but feels the furthest thing from home for someone else who's marginalized? Have you analyzed and considered where you feel at home, where you feel safe, where you feel welcome? Now, I can't hear the conversations that hopefully you're having with yourself right now, so you might as well tell the truth. Say self, and yourself says yes. 
Would you feel at home and safe and welcome in your house, in your church, in your community, in your office, your school, your country club, etc., if you were in a lower income bracket or partnered with a different gender or didn't attend a college or if you're non-white or if you didn't natively speak English, would you really feel welcome at your home? To make a clear call, we must first analyze where we call home and realize that if it is safe, ask safe for whom. Third, we must embrace the unknown. Lastly, to make the call, we must embrace the unknown. The latter verses in the text are describing Jesus sending the disciples out into the unknown. Even today, many churches and organizations are trying to go back or return to the familiar of the pre-pandemic world because that comfort and familiarity instills a sense of peace. But what's interesting is that they're trying to pull us all back, not realizing that we aren't all interested in returning into what was. They're trying to take us all home, realizing that we aren't all coming with you. See, some of us have seen your idea of home before, no thank you. There is no going back to the good old days when many of us never had a good old day. Now is a time when what was traditionally seen as home won't cut it anymore. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12, people in a crowd call out to Jesus, look, your relatives are outside waiting for you. Jesus responds by first asking, who are my relatives? Then pointing at the multitude of disciples declares that they were his relatives. Home can be more than familial ties and blood relations and our past, but home is also our present. Created out of safety, out of love, out of compassion, out of respect, and so much more. Home is more than what was or what was in the past. Home is being created anew and right now. A radical new home that welcomes all and inevitably leaves behind those stuck in their ways. When Jesus is rejected at home, verse 6 tells us he shifts away from those stuck in their ways in the city and begins to work in the outskirts. It's for him and the disciples that they're able to work miracles and bless those that are on the margins, those that were deemed unwelcome. In essence, they are creating a new home amongst the outcasts, amongst the strangers, and amongst those in unknown regions where he's going to send the disciples. I heard Bishop Tanya Rawls say last week that the church is called to care for those who we've never seen before. Are you open and welcoming to those who you have never seen, those who you don't fully understand, those who are relatively unknown? Are you open to all things unknown and still welcoming? The question is, have you made the intentional call? As I close, I'll briefly share this very brief story. A black woman and her white coworker were chatting at work and flipping through one of those home parade magazines or uh, better at Southern Living or what have you. On one page was a full color profile of an illustrious Southern home. 
A grand brick mansion with towering white columns at the entry, immaculate gardens and landscaping surrounded the 1800s estate. The coworker audibly wowed and asked, could you imagine living in this home? The black woman <laughs> chuckled to herself and replied, no, but I can imagine working in it. Again, where do you see comfort that others may see oppression? Let me plainly ask this, are you ready to make the call to declare and make a new home a safe place for the unknown, for the marginalized, for the stranger? Are you ready to make the call and welcome someone who you don't fully know or fully understand? Are you ready to make the call to declare who is out and declare all who are safe? by first remembering what it feels like to be unwelcome, then by truthfully analyzing the places you call home, then by embracing the newness that inevitably comes from radically welcoming all who today will make the call. And that's the question I leave you with today. Will you make the call? Amen.